in the high desert in the great American Southwest. I'm Art Bell. Slamming into your radio like a supercharged nanoparticle of unobtainium. My name is George Van. I'm Richard Serrett. This is Connie Willis. I'm George Norrie. Welcome to Coast to Coast Day. It's great to be here. Welcome to Coast to Coast PM, the number one unofficial Coast to Coast AM podcast. We are two brothers who analyze the world's largest overnight paranormal radio show, Coast to Coast AM. My name is Paul, and I'm the guy that listens to this inexplicable radio show here with my brother. Hey, it's Chris. I'm the Tia to your Tamara, but this is brother, brother, not sister, sister. That is very true, Chris. And these two brothers have a show today, and it's yeah. it's a big one, dude big show huh what are we talking about today today's episode is going to be about the biggest controversy to ever reach coast to coast am the hail bop uh, companion heaven's gate scandal oh my lord this is like a super big deal in the coast to coast community right gigantic deal okay all right so so, so what, what what's the general outlook gonna look like for these episodes because i imagine we can't do this in one we cannot do this one. This is going to take multiple episodes. To give you an idea of what it took to prepare this show, I've listened to about 20 hours of Art Bell's coverage of Hale-Bopp because he was on this for about two straight months, went through many hours of documentary footage, uh, reviewed the Heaven's Gate self-recorded suicide tapes, and we also reached out to Heaven's Gate's former members to get their input on Art Bell's influences over the group's suicides. Dude, you're an absolute madman. I can't I... believe you did all that. My brain has melted slightly, but it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. I it's mean, it, if, if your brain hadn't melted before this, you know, there was something wrong with you. It's It's gone at this point. So by the yeah. end of this series, we plan to the best of our ability to answer the question, did Art Bell cause the Heaven's Gate suicides? And I think it would be helpful to do a quick overview before we jump in, just to give folks the right. framework of, of what okay. actually happened. Okay, that sounds good. I think that's a great idea. So the Comet Hale-Bopp was first discovered on July 23rd, 1995 by Alan Hale and Thomas Bopp. So this was a comet that was incredibly bright and was viewable by the naked eye for around 18 total months. So you just look up into the sky and see this thing. And you could see a comet tracking across the sky depending on where you were on the Earth. Exactly, yeah. So at nighttime, people are just looking up and they see this giant comet that's just trailing, right? In November of 1996... Arbel spoke with an amateur astronomer named Chuck Schrammick, who said he photographed a companion object behind Hale-Bopp. This is a real-life astronomer. This is an amateur astronomer. He's a guy with a and... fancy telescope. Okay, all right. Now, this is where it got interesting. A professor named Courtney Brown and his employee Prudence Calabrese from the Farsight Institute then came on saying that they had hard evidence that it was a UFO that was sending out radio signals. Was the companion object. That's yeah. what the companion object was. Yeah. Okay. So this was covered very in depth from November 14th, 1996 to January 16th, 1997. So roughly, you know, maybe two, two-ish months. And a few months later, on March 26th, 1997, 39 active members of a, you know, quote-unquote UFO cult known as Heaven's Gate committed suicide. The media reported that Art Bell was at least partially responsible for the suicides, claiming the cult believed the Hale-Bopp UFO companion stories and killed themselves so that they could join the ship. So we do have evidence, though, that they were listening to Coast to Coast AM pretty frequently, right? We do know that at least one member listened to Coast. Okay. 
Now, there were multiple articles written about this back in 1997. Uh, there was an article in the Las Vegas Sun titled Cult UFO Belief May Stem from Nevada Radio Show. There was a Drudge article saying radio show uh, linked to suicides. And there was a Time Magazine article titled The Man Who Spread the Myth All About Art Bell and His Coverage of Haleboth and how it contributed oh, to Wow. Okay. Got it. Got it. So this is the time when the media especially is trying to place blame for a lot of the ills of society. I'm thinking of like the Columbine shooting or drug use and, and gang violence and stuff like that. They're blaming people like Marilyn Manson. They're blaming people like, you know, violent video games. I remember the grand theft auto controversy and stuff like that. Like everyone's trying to place the blame for the ills of the culture and, because of this mass suicide, Art gets that blame. Yeah, he. It's basically the media was what influenced them to to commit suicide. Is what right. the narrative was. Right. So what I want to do with this series is go into very specifically what was discussed. So I pulled out three of the most important episodes during his coverage that we're going to review, and then we're going to okay. go into his, uh, you know, quote unquote debunking of what had occurred and then talk about heaven's gate to really get to the bottom of, you know, did our bell impact them? Right. Cause it is a possibility. Uh, and, and I think it is a question that can be answered. Okay, dude, I'm so excited for this. This is going to be not so it's going to be great, man. But before we get into that, let's go check in with the coast to coast AM blog with Tim Banal. Tim time. So today's article alleged arsonist says devil made her set her haunted apartment on fire. That, that, that devil will make you do all kinds of stuff. I was actually just singing Devil Went Down to Georgia. So this is a weird synchronicity right here. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You know, the universe clicking up. In a bizarre story out of Boston, a woman arrested for setting her home on fire told police that she started the blaze at the behest of the devil because her residence is haunted. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So the devil is the one haunting her house. Un uncertain uncertain so the curious case reportedly, but the devil does tell her to burn the house down yeah the devil does tell her to burn the house down okay all right let's keep going let's keep going i need more information the curious case reportedly unfolded on tuesday morning when a sizable fire erupted in a three-story apartment building in the neighborhood of dorchester Ooh, don't set your apartment on fire no Authorities investigating the fire did not have to look too far to find its source as a resident of the building admitted to having been behind the blaze and offered <laughs> a truly odd reason for her actions. This was me. This was all me. <laughs> I burnt down the apartment building. According to police, Nakia Rivera apologized for setting the fire, but insisted she, quote, had to do it because the house is haunted. She the, went on to say, there quote, you go. the devil made me do it as there are ghosts in my house. Why would the devil not want the house to be haunted anymore? That's my question here, because is it the devil is haunting the house and said, burn it down? Or the devil was like, yo, you got a lot of ghosts here. You're going to have to burn this house down. Like, was the devil helping You're her gonna out? You're going to have to burn mind? this down. Yeah, the devil's kind of helping her out. Yeah. Story, which is... <laughs> Listen, I normally don't do this, but you got to burn this house. You got to burn. This is, house is so haunted. I can't even deal with it. Calling her explanation obviously disturbing, District Attorney Kevin Hayden indicated that Rivera was ordered to undergo a mental health evaluation after being charged with arson. You don't say. Fortunately, no one was seriously injured in the incident, though firefighters did have to rescue a pair of residents who were stuck on the second floor. Oh my God, dude, that would have been horrifying. Like your house is blazing and then like the, you're like stuck. You can't get out. 
these firefighters save you. And then to find out that a woman did it because Satan told her to burn down the house because there were ghosts in it. You And here's the thing, you know, you I would feel to, very unsettled. You don't need to burn down the house because there are ghosts. Get yourself a good priest. Get yourself a good priest. Unnecessary. You lose your soul a little bit every time. Well, that was today's article, Chris. I wanted to keep it a little quick because we got a lot of content to get to. We got um, so much content to get through. It's going to be disgusting. Let's go. All right. So some real quick housekeeping. We have an email address. Send your thoughts or episode requests to c 2 pod at gmail.com. If you like the show, please drop us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and smash that subscribe button. We drop episodes every Thursday and that'll make sure you never miss one. And thank you to everyone who has told friends about us. We don't really do anything to advertise the podcast, so this has been 100% organic. I'm kind of shocked it's gotten as big as it is, to Chris, to, to be totally honest. But, you know, we're moving <laughs> really, <agreement. laughs> thank, Yeah, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. We hope we're giving you something that's entertaining, and uh, hopefully you'll learn a little something. And I really think, dude, I am so stoked on this one. The amount of work that you've done on this is super impressive just on the front end. So I'm very excited to get in this like deep dive into this art bell controversy that I didn't know was a controversy until you told me about it a few days ago. Yeah. I think that's the other thing too, is that I don't tell you about any of this. I give you a very rough sketch of like, this is what we're talking about and that's it. Yeah. So you're yeah, going to, sometimes cold. you don't even give me a rough sketch. Sometimes we just start recording and I'm like, what the hell are we talking about today? <laughs> well, today we are going to kick things off with the November 14th, 1996 episode of coast with art bell. And this one is going to be with Chuck Schrammick, an amateur astronomer and Courtney Brown, a professor at Emory university. So our amateur astronomer, let's just get this uh, going again. Our amateur astronomer is the one who first sees that there is a companion object with the Hale-Bopp comet. Yep. He, and that's he, all he says that there's just, there is something else with this comet. That's basically where he ends his speculation. Okay. Is, and I then have, we, yeah. And we have a professional astronomer come up and say, Hey, this is a, spacecraft so courtney brown is not a professional astronomer he is okay. uh, a tenured professor at Emory university i believe of political science what what is he doing talking about space so courtney brown is a tenured professor at Emory university who has his phd in political science from washington university okay all right so we got a poli sci guy making up things about space now what he runs is the Farsight Institute, which is a remote viewing institute. Remote viewing? Yes. Perfect. So we're okay. going to get into it. We're going to get into it. We're going to start. We're already starting. How did this guy get a real job at Intermarie University? That's like a real college. The trick is you get your PhD, you get your tenure, and then you go crazy. And then you go crazy. Once Got you're tenured, okay. they can't fire you, man. Then you're like, yeah, um, remote viewing's real. And they're like, shit, we're stuck with this guy. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Let's go. All right. So starting off with Chuck Schrammick, the amateur astronomer who reached out to Art and said, yo, I'm seeing something behind Hale-Bopp. You are an amateur astronomer, yes? Have been since I was eight years old, Art. I'm 46 now. All right. So not so amateur. <laughs> well, amateur. I'm an avid, let's put it this way, an avid astronomer. And, and since Hale-Bopp was first discovered, it's just, it's, it's a mind blower to find a comet 20 months out, Art. And, and I knew from the start, something from the start just kind of drew me to this comet, to, 
to, to find out all I could and, and, and uh, image it. I've been out there every clear night uh, that I can for a couple of months now taking pictures of it. All right. Well, uh, my guest, uh, Professor Courtney Brown, is going to have a lot to say about Hale-Bopp, and this is sort of a setup for that. You have just taken a photograph. When did you take it? Tonight? I took it at uh, 6 o'clock this evening. 6 o'clock. All right. Hale-Bopp's going to come round the horn uh, and be most visible April, May, something like that next year, right? March, April, 97. All right. All right. Which, that is a very important date because the end of March is when Heaven's Gate committed suicide because that's when the comet was closest to the Earth. Absolutely closest to Earth. Okay, interesting. Here is the image that Chuck Schrammick took, Chris. So what you're able to see is a white ball with a trail, right? It's And that's that's the Hale-Bopp comet. This is the Hale-Bopp comet. And then there is a Saturn-like object is what he describes, and he'll describe it in just a minute in his own Yeah, I, I see it. There's like a ring around it. Yeah, it looks like it looks like Saturn. And that's what he said yeah. was the companion object. Now, Art also brings up the fact that like a lot of people have been thinking, you know, this Hale-Bopp thing's pretty weird. There's something going on with it. People have felt something's going on with Hale-Bopp. Well, I have too. Uh, there's been a real lack of uh, pictures from the Hubble Space Telescope or any big observatories. And Art, I can tell you when they cut them off, it was about May, uh, end of May, 96. And so that got me all the more curious. I can smell when they're... Why would, being... why, why would they do that? Perhaps they saw something they felt might disturb people. And now maybe you've got it on film. Yeah, although uh, this thing, what I photographed tonight, just showed up. I mean, I, I have pictures of the comet from last night and the night before. This is a big thing. Here's one of our favorite conspiracy tropes, right? These astronomers, these worldwide cabal of astronomers are keeping something from us. And that's the key here, right, is that if there is something being kept, it has to be astronomers across the country. It can't just be the United States. It has to be every country that has a telescope, which is most right. Right, right, right. right. And, and all the amateur astronomers, this guy is not the only amateur astronomer that has a decently powerful telescope, right? Yeah, yeah. He has a really good one for the time, but, you know, other right. people do have them. Um, yeah. But he's saying, you know, there's there's something going on. And this is the other thing that's constantly brought up is they took all these pictures of it. And then we haven't been seeing as many pictures lately. What's up with that? Right. And, that's one of the things that happens with big telescopes as well is that there are a lot of people who have research projects who want to use them. So you have to book time on a telescope, you know, weeks or months in advance sometimes. So like these telescopes right. are being used for other things. They're not just going to sit there and keep taking pictures of the same comet. Yeah, right. They got a couple though. They probably are like, we got like two months where we can take some closer pictures. Why do we need to take more? Exactly. We don't need to sit here and just snapshots of it. It's going to look the same until it gets closer, you know? Right. Right. Um, so I don't find that that odd, but that's something that is constantly brought up by Chuck Schrammick is like, why are they taking more pictures? Why aren't they taking yeah. more pictures? And those types of conspiracies still exist today on Reddit. Um, our aliens have seen people talk about how they haven't put live feeds of Earth on the most recent uh, Artemis missions because they don't want to accidentally show UFOs. You know, this is something that kind of continues. <laughs> yeah, right, right. We, we're not going to be able to describe all the ufos coming in and out of the planets there are just too many there's and so we don't have many. the time yeah 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 agreed so in truck shramick's words what did he get a picture of what did he get a picture of it appears to be several times larger than the earth I, i'd guess about four times larger than the earth and there appears to be what looks like 
Saturn-like rings. They're, they're very flat. It's almost as if we're looking at them on edge. And, you know, I ran inside. I thought, no, it's just, it's just a star. And I, look, I have a computer-generated star map. I can uh, tell ahead of time what stars are going to be in the background. Right. And there was no star there. I mean, just nothing. What could it be? <sighs> well, that might be an area for Courtney to get into, Art. I have no idea. How can he determine that this thing is that big? That is a great question. He's making assumptions about how far away it is from Earth and then how far away it is from Hale-Bopp, okay. saying that it's trailing Hale-Bopp. And it. then I think doing some rough calculations, yeah. I don't think he actually has the ability to determine the size of this object. Right. Yeah. 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 I, I wouldn't actually think so. I yeah. think he's just taking a kind of a wild stab at it, huh? Yeah. And that is his big claim, right, is that there's not a star there. So I also looked into this to see, is that accurate, right? Is that there was not a star there? And later he does say, actually, there was a star there, but this definitely was not it. So I pulled up uh, a photograph of the region versus the photograph that Chuck Schramick took. And Chris, you can see here, I know this is an audio format, but to give the listeners an idea of what we're looking at, uh, it labels clearly where Hale-Bopp is, and then it also shows where the Saturn-like object is. And then, it, it, then right. it maps the different stars so you know that it's the exact same part of the sky, right? And you can right. see the exact point where the Saturn-like object is is also where a star is. And and the way he would capture it, it would look like a Saturn-like object. Exactly. And it's a, it, it, the debunking of this has shown that he had set up his telescope incorrectly. So there did not seem to be a star there initially on his program. And also there was some sort of, something happening with how he had set up the telescope where it slightly distorted the star. So instead of having the four points of a traditional star, when you take a picture, it only had the two points, but this is the picture of a star. Right. So, that, all right. Yeah. So Chucky, Chucky's already got a little bit of an issue with his story. Yeah. Chucky is already dropping the ball, which he's an amateur astronomer. This isn't his real gig, but right. you know, he's, he's not doing a great job of determining what this object is. So. <laughs> We're seeing where the amateur part comes into this. <laughs> And that's the thing, dude. I don't, I'm not a big fan of appeal to authority arguments, but sometimes someone who studied this their entire life is useful yeah. for determining what objects in the sky are. I'm just going to throw right. that out there. Right. Okay. All right. Let's get some more of this. I'm 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 already, you know, head first into the pool, dude. So let's go. All right. So now we got our tenured professor at Emory, Courtney Brown. And he's a poli sci guy, but he also started the Farside Institute, which is all about remote viewing. Right. So he's taken the old military protocols for remote viewing, brought them into the modern day, started an institute on it. So Courtney on the same episode comes on after hearing that someone photographed a companion object uh, to Hale-Bopp. He got his remote viewers out there and he said, figure out what this is. You guys figure out what this object is. Remote viewers go. That's basically what happened. So on this episode, he like just got the faxes of the reports. Right. And he's going in trying to uh, to read them off pretty much live. He said that he hasn't really had a chance to consolidate the information. But we're going to start off with what is remote viewing. So I think that's a really important aspect for you know our listeners who may not be as familiar. Uh, but still, people don't know exactly what remote viewing is. So please tell us. Remote viewing is a mental procedure. And it enables a person to extract accurate and descriptive information from distant locations. Now, remote viewing also works across time in the sense that a remote viewer can extract information from the past, present, or the future. Now, scientific remote viewing 
SRV, scientific remote viewing, refers to a set of procedures, protocols, that are a modernized, a highly modernized version of the original techniques that were developed and used by the U.S. military in the 1980s and 90s for espionage purposes. The protocols basically allow any normal, well-balanced individual to remote view with tremendous precision. Accuracy rates are typically above 85%, and scientific studies using scientific studies using multiple remote viewers employing these protocols, uh, where together with the analysis, typically can reach uh, accuracy rates that are that are near complete. So this guy is claiming near 100% accuracy right now on remote viewing. <laughs> That's absolutely incredible. But just let's to give our to give our our listeners a little bit more that may not know what re remote viewing is. If you've ever watched Stranger Things, it's what Eleven is doing when she goes into the salt bath and goes into that black nothing world. Right. That's what remote viewing is. Yeah, it's basically projecting your consciousness out into the universe so that you can collect information and right. it, it is true that the u.s government was funding this type of research a lot of it was part of the cold war of, you know we heard the russians were doing it and we had to do it too so we dumped a lot right. of money into it right right so when he okay talks <laughs> so so we got a big time remote viewer uh -huh. he's got a whole institute of people who are remote viewing he's claiming that this this giant brain child like the minority report precogs sitting in a you know <laughs> thing of water with neurons coming out of their brains and stuff they're all putting their energy to this other object that is following the hail bop comet what does he find all right so one of the big things that i do want to call out is he talks a lot about the Stanford experiments uh, and the DIA, which funded that, right? And Yeah, the, the Milgram, the Milgram experiment, right? Yeah. And the big thing about that is that they only ever claimed 30% accuracy with remote viewing. So I have no idea where he's getting the 85 to 100% accuracy rates. And well, Paul, he's got, he started an, uh, an institute so he could beef those numbers up. I guess he really figured out the secret formula. I had yeah. never heard anyone claim, you know, 80 to 100% accuracy on remote viewing before him. I love 100% accuracy, dude. Yeah, we're always right all the time. <laughs> but here's the other thing, right, is that the 30% accuracy rate that was claimed by the government-funded program has never been able to be reproduced anywhere else. So the idea is that the people who were giving the remote viewer the information to remote view were in some way kind of triggering their responses, right? They were giving them some sort of information uh... in some sort of way to where their, their protocols were not strict enough because whenever people institute really strict protocols where they are certain that there's no information being shared between the person who's telling them what to remote view and the remote viewer, it's just random. It, it turns into completely random data, which is what you would anticipate if it's fake. Right, right. Well, and, and if you give anybody enough context clues, they can make a pretty accurate ballpark guess mm -hmm. that you can say is accurate. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, interesting. It, a really important part here is that Courtney Brown continues to bring up the Farsight Institute. He keeps spelling it out for people so they could find it. And then he also has right. an important point of anyone can do this that wants to. You can pay me lots of money to come to my institute and I will teach you how to remote view.
That's exactly what this is. <laughs> a natural psychic who's very, very good. Now, you don't have to be a natural psychic to learn scientific remote viewing. You can just be a person off the street, just a normal, well-balanced individual. That's the whole idea about it. The military was able to train people who are not natural psychics because Ingle mm -hmm. Swan figured out what his mind was doing when he could accurately perceive and describe in intimate detail what was going on on another side of the planet or, or, or in another room or anywhere. So if you were listening to this, it doesn't matter if you have psychic abilities or not. If you give us a couple grand, we'll teach you how to remote view. We'll teach you how to remote view, no problem. Now, the, the first thing that Courtney did when he heard about the Hale Bob Companion, you know, like you said, Chris, he got his remote viewers together and said, hey, let's figure out what this is because we have 100% accuracy, right? And uh, we have three professional sessions of that object, that anomalous object that's trailing uh, Hale Bob. But you can't ignore this stuff if you look at the rest of the stuff that we do that's up on our webpage www.farsight.org i mean if you look at all the stuff that our students do uh with regard to describing uh you know verifiable targets the great wall of china the eiffel tower whatever they could be when we use these same exact procedures with professionals uh we get very very good results of this thing now i understand this was done under blind conditions meaning the viewer was not told what the target was right a set of random numbers that were generated from a random number table or a computer program were given to that person, and only the monitor knew that those numbers meant uh, uh, this, this anomalous object that was trailing the hail bop. Is this farsight.com still a real website? It is still a website runs? that you can go to. Okay, and, and, and it talks about this remote viewing stuff? Yeah, and it, it does talk about remote viewing. We'll put it in the show notes for sure. And, and, and you know, if, if we talk about anything like the pictures and stuff, we'll try to get those on the show notes for everyone to, to take a look at. The Farsight Institute, remote Damn viewing it. nonprofit research and education. Dude, when I see nonprofit, immediately skeptical. Is that what did it? Is that what got That's you? That's what did it. It wasn't the remote viewing part. It was the nonprofit research part skeptical highly and that this guy is a tenured professor dude i'm i'm cia bells are ringing yeah and that's something he mentions as well is that he's hoping that their work on Hailbop is going to get them government contracts <laughs> okay there you go there you go so, so he, you he, know. this dude is all about the benjamins oh he is trying to to, to get paid is my right. personal opinion here um yeah. now he's going to go into what the remote viewers actually saw so let's jump into the first remote viewer and what their report laid out. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Wherever there are beings, uh, they organize themselves. And we now know that in the, in the galaxy out there, there is something called a Galactic Federation, a council. Yeah. And uh, this remote viewer went on to describe this. I'm going into the middle of the session. There's a lot of preparatory stuff that I'm just simply going to omit because of time. Fine. And this person perceived that this Galactic Council or some higher order was watching very interested like they were watching a hologram unfold. It's like watching an election return or something. They are all seated around a table in subspace. They're very serious about this event, which may be happening, going in a direction, which is not, uh, that, this, that this event may go in a direction which is not evolutionary, but only time uh, will tell, and uh, uh, time is of the essence. All right, so I don't hate intergalactic federation <laughs> i love intergalactic federation i believe in intergalactic federation you believe in that okay 
Yeah. So, and that is a nice visual because this is a group of aliens sitting around the table watching a hologram of what sounds like Hale-Bopp approaching Earth, sitting with bated right. breath. Right. 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 Which means something's going to happen with Hale-Bopp. Something is happening. This is a big event intergalactically. Like, this is not just a big event for Earth. This is a big event for multiple species on different planets throughout our galaxy. Yeah, think about how expensive that meeting is to have leaders from all the different species watching Earth, right? And Hale-Bopp's not moving quickly, so I guess they're just sitting there for a really long time. I don't really understand what they're doing, but... So I, I would imagine that it's more of like when the Jedi Masters convene in council that some of them would be holograms and things. Like, not all of them would be on Alderaan to make decisions, right? You you could be on different planets. That you're you're zooming in. Right. Yeah, that makes sense cuz I mean I'm sure yeah. they have busy schedules running a yeah, intergalactic yeah, yeah, yeah. federation. Except, yeah, it's a zoom, it's a zoom meeting. This isn't this isn't an in-person meeting, <laughs> you know, once and that's why they're watching, right? They can watch it a little bit and then they can kind of step back. Where are we? How many months are we away from where it's but they would want to keep track every few months get a a an update how far away are we from whatever it is we're about to see that's true maybe it's a status update meeting you know status update. Just like it's kind of running yeah. in the background they're answering a couple emails yeah um we're all, in we're in our through. third quarter you know profits have been down what are we gonna do to to make sure everyone really gets into the tailbot thing yeah okay. all right so let's get a little bit more into this remote viewer and, and what he's saying is out there he Immediately, he, protect, he perceived immediately that there was a vortex, something spinning. And then he perceived that there were people on the ground here that were looking up, and there was some structure. And the idea of astronomers and others looking up into the sky, looking at some structure up there. And there was also something going on in subspace. There was an attempt to communicate. This is fundamental. There was a message being sent to someone who is listening but not hearing. It is essential that... Uh, that this person or persons wake up and listen now. Uh, help will be there when he does. So somebody here is being sent a message. Us. The interpretation of this. this, this is us? Collectively us? The interpretation of this session so far is that the message is being sent to us. We're listening but not understanding. Professor, is this message coming from this object? Yes, and it's also being coordinated by this larger galactic council. I'm now re I've, I've reviewed all three sessions, so I'm pulling things from all three sessions. All right. That's very clear. There is a large object out there. It apparently is both, it has tunnels in it. It is both technological, artificial, and natural in the sense that it has rock as well as uh, is metal in it. This is a big E.T. thing. One thing you must say about the E.T. is that when they decide to put on a show... Oh, boy. They know theater. They know theater. <laughs> this is better than anything on Broadway. Yeah, it works for me. This is better than ID4. Or, I tell you, and uh, but the good news is that we're not being invaded, but I got, that'll come to us later. So it's definitely aliens. It's definitely aliens. But, dude, again, he's pulling me in bit by bit because, like, sci-fi has always used one of the first places that humans are able to truly live on is typically first the moon maybe Mars next, but asteroids are one of the first places that we're really able to put 
communities on, but we have to drill down deep in and make tunnels. And, uh, you know, in the expanse, they eventually uh, get them spinning so they can start so they can create gravity because you need the centripetal force Mm -hmm. to 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 create gravity. So, again, this is all very good stuff. (laughs) All very good stuff. It's it's good lore. Yeah, dude, I'm very much enjoying it. He's got me with the federations. He's got me with the the circling vortex, some technology, some natural aspects. This is all tracking, dude, big time. Yeah, and the the really important part to call out so far is two pieces that he's saying they are seeing in remote viewing is number one, it is a very large object that is artificial in some capacity. And then- Number two, it's sending out signals. So that's going to be important yes. later. Uh, but okay. it is trying to communicate with us in some way. Okay. So this is this is like in contact when the aliens are beaming us information on how to create a portal so Jodie Foster can talk to them for five minutes. Exactly. Which was definitely okay. worthwhile for everyone so that Jodie yes. Foster could see her dad. Yeah, for, for a couple billion dollars internationally so Jodie Foster can talk to her dad and really work on some of those feelings she had most of her life. Yeah, I think going to a psychiatrist would have been a little cheaper for her, but, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever works. Yeah, whatever. She didn't have to pay for it. It's true. That was it tax was... dollars. That was tax dollars. It was free for her. Yeah, it was tax dollar therapy, billions of dollars. So we got we got this big object, right? Definitely from alien right. origin. We got the Intergalactic Space Federation watching, and President Clinton knows about this, man. Dude, dude. of course he did, dude. Slick Willie. He's he's all on it, dude. He's all on it, but he doesn't know what to do yet. There's some perception that uh, some people may think of this as a weapon involved, uh, and the decision of some important person that's evaluating and making decisions for many, and I'm interpreting that as probably being the United, the President of the United States and probably perceiving that this may be a weapon or something. Uh, he cannot make a national choice, but it is time, meaning he cannot yet make a national choice. That's wait, 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 exactly. wait, wait, doctor, wait. Um, you're saying that the President of the United States or somebody high on may be viewing this and they know about it as a weapon oh they absolutely know about this and they are wondering whether it is some kind of a weapon and that he's not yet ready to make a national choice so wait is it the remote viewers who are telling him that the president definitely knows about this yeah because the remote viewers are also remote viewing the president apparently okay all right which sounds like a national security risk this is 100 accurate. that's a national security risk for sure for sure Oh, my God. This is, oh, my God, dude. This is so good. All right, so we got President Clinton. He's sitting there watching Hale-Bopp come in, knowing that there is some kind of alien object, and he's Mm -hmm. got, like, his military goombas around him, and they're like, "Uh, Mr. President, this is definitely a weapon. (laughs) Which is totally what would happen, dude. Right. That would totally happen. I believe I, that that would happen. Right. Well, it's every single invasion movie, right? You got the military guy being like, let's throw all, every nuke we got at it. And then there's like a force field and nothing hits it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and then you need and then you need Will Smith to go in and light cigars and, and save the day. Yeah. Okay. 
and even just looking at the unidentified aerial phenomena situation with the government, a lot of the rhetoric is around something's invading our airspace. It's a national security risk, right? Right. We, right. we think about it in the context of the military and not a benevolent alien society just trying to give us knowledge and get us to turn right. the direction that we're on. Man. Yeah, right. Yeah. You guys have so much potential, man. <laughs> like, just like, stop shooting each other, bros. There's a whole wide world, man. Intergalactic Federation, bro. They're Keanu Reeves running our baseball team in the inner city, trying to tell yes. us you don't have to go down that road. That's right. You don't need to fight. You, you can, can be brothers more. in <laughs> arms. So another important call out from this is that he also brings up a top 10 university professor that he is in contact with. Dude, this. I just want to say real quick, RIP G baby, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out. Uh, we called up one of our people called up, uh, a professor of astronomy at one of the uh, one of the nation's leading, absolute top top ten leading universities, oh, a close personal friend, uh, a professor uh, in astronomy, and asked uh, what's going on. And this yeah. professor of astronomy corroborated everything that uh, Mr. Shramick just said. So we have a top ten university professor of astronomy saying there is something behind Hale Bob, according to whose name Brown. we won't give, whose. Whose university we won't give. Yes. Okay. Is that helpful? Got it. <laughs> and see, this hey, is when yeah. this is when I start getting skeptical, right? When it's just like, you know, the, the John Rhodesification of something where it's you, I talked to many people and I went places and they told me things and then I knew those things. Yeah, but I'm not going to give you any specifics about who they are or how they got the information. Right. Yeah. You just it's not, just you got to not, not even it's a top 10 university art. Dude, I'm kind of surprised art is is taking all this in like this. Yeah. And that's the thing is that he goes for this hook line and sinker dude. He goes all in on Right. This. He was very intrigued by the other object in that picture. He was, and I think that he thought he had something here. Right. I mean, the man had spent years on paranormal talk radio, and I right. think he was like, this is final. This is the thing I've been waiting for. Right. This is the thing. Yeah. This is the thing. Interesting. All right. Okay. So we're starting to develop our storyline here, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So Hale Bop, aliens, government cover up. We got all the good stuff here. We got all the good stuff. And here's another what? thing. We have another viewer saying it's definitely a spaceship of some sort. Okay. So those those first accounts are all from the same remote viewer. Yeah, those this are all the same. This is now a, a second remote viewer who's about to corroborate our story. Yeah, and they were all kind of getting the same type of stuff, according to court. Right. This, this viewer uh, uh, started to perceive that it was some type of a climate-controlled space capsule. Uh, the idea of machinery was involved. This guy is immediately saying that um, uh, that this is extraordinarily important. There's tremendous longevity involved in this thing. And it's something like the obelisk from 2001, a space odyssey. Now, this device is so humongous. It might be, who, who really knows exactly what it's composed of, but we have some of our viewers says it's composed, it has hallways in it. It has com it's composed of both rock and inorganic material, so it might have been a terraformed. It might have been a you know a transformed planet that's been transformed into a a ship. I mean, we're dealing with technologies that are spectacular. 
so we're getting out there right now, dude. They've terraformed a planet, have basically hollowed it out, and have gotten it to move at the speed of a comet. Okay. <laughs> through right? space. Yes. Uh, that This is all insane, dude. This is so awesome. Yeah, I which mean, is a uh, wild th- thing. Think of the technological prowess you would need to complete something like that. Yeah, this is like Death Star type stuff, dude. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you've well, made an artificial even- moon. But that's I think it's even more impressive to take a planet, get it out of its gravity well and make it an artificial thing that can follow a comet that like the amount the amount of know how on all of those fronts is incredible. The The amount of engineering and physics and yet the energy that is necessary for that, that would put them millions of years ahead of us. Yeah. You know what it could be that they did? Um, I I believe they're referred to as rogue planets. I forget the exact astrological name, but it's those planets Uh, that don't have a sun. They're just floating in intergalactic space. Right. Maybe they just like flew up next to it using a wormhole. And that way it wasn't having to deal with a gravity wall necessarily. They just like redirect its motion. Maybe that's what Yeah. Love it. Some great idea. Adding it to the lore. (laughs) We gotta build we gotta build this out for Courtney, dude. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff, dude. Professor, professor. Courtney Brown of Emory University. I just want to reiterate that. Yes, yes. And tenured, still there. Still tenured. <laughs> still there with his remote institute. And I guess we'll find out more about this uh, giant planet ball that is following Hale-Bopp. Oh, we're going to get more. But before we get into more, we got to see, you know, why are they doing this? Like, what is the points of sending us what is a... 2001 Space Odyssey Obelisk Planet. Oh, what might it do? The results are actually unknown. I suspect what that, what's happening here is an attempt is being made to change the timeline. Apparently what we were on is a timeline that was not very good, and I suspect what we're picking up here, because we're getting this with other data that we're getting elsewhere, uh, that the ETs are also helping us change the timeline from an unproductive to a more productive timeline. So we're we're adjusting the timeline here in some way, form, or fashion. Another call out that I'm going to make is whenever people don't really have that much data, they use the word data a whole lot. Right. Uh, right. This is something right. that is done constantly on the Skinwalker Ranch series on Discovery, where they're right. constantly talking about like, oh, we got to look at all this data we have. We need to get the data. They're, they're always talking about the data. The data never shows anything. But I think right. they just lean on words like data to make it sound more scientific. Well, yeah, you got to. One of the things in my intergalactic federation lore, though, Paul, and this is where I would this is where I become immediately skeptical. I don't think the federation would adjust our timeline because of what Star Trek calls the prime directive and the prime directive. For those who don't know, the prime directive states that the federation the the myriad of species that make up the federation if they find another planet that isn't as technologically advanced as them they can't mess with them they can't touch them it's only at a certain point in spacefaring that you get that you get to find out that there are other intergalactic civilizations out there and i believe that down to my bones i believe that we're actually in essentially like an isolation sphere where where like a, like actual beings cannot come into 
to to not mess with us. Like we are in a protected part of our galaxy and you really can't come in. Now they may send probes or they may like be able to view us somehow, but at the end of the day, this isn't how it works. They don't want to bring in a civilization that is not ready to have this type of technology. And that that always didn't make the most sense to me that maybe UAPs, uh, what we're seeing is probes of some sort and that they aren't really able to make contact because that's also how we approach studies of communities, right? Where right. the scientists able to go into a community if they're like an anthropologist or something, but they're not supposed to necessarily interact with them or change their course. They right. are just kind of supposed to to see what's going on and document and, and not intervene to the best of their ability. And I, I also like the idea that maybe they're there to kind of keep us from blowing ourselves up where there have been UFOs sighted over nuclear facilities and have shut them down reportedly. And right. they're, they're like, okay, we're not going to interfere. We're going to make sure they don't kill themselves, but we're not going to change what's going on necessarily. Um, not that I think that's happening, but I like that story. Right. Well, and I don't see, I don't even believe that they would do that much because I think nuclear power is what I call a civilizational keyhole. And if you turn that key and open the door, which we already have, you have we now have the keys to destroy ourselves as a civilization, right? But we also have the key to progress our civilization to, you know, using free energy or something like that from the power of nuclear fission and fusion. And but that key is 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 a double edged sword. We can either, you know, propel ourselves to a new evolution or we can destroy ourselves. And that is the thing that I think intergalactic civilization wants to see. You need to pass through so many keyholes before they let you come into the Federation. You have to prove yourself as a species that you can that you can handle this type of knowledge, that you can handle being an intergalactic, maybe even interuniversal species. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a good point because if you can't handle a nuclear weapon, how are you going to handle being able to turn an entire planet into a spaceship? Exactly. You know what I mean? Imagine 100%. what you could do with that. Imagine what you could do. That you could destroy worlds. Yeah, which would be a problem. All right, Chris. So that is the end of Courtney Brown's first appearance on Coast we will start the next episode where Courtney Brown and Prudence Calabrese come back saying that they have verified evidence from the astronomy community proving what the remote viewing that they have is correct. So that's where we're going to start next week. Okay, and so that will be the second time that this guy comes on. This was all from his first appearance. This is all his first appearance. And honestly, okay. dude, this one, not really outside the realm of Coast to Coast AM. This is pretty par no. for the course, in my opinion. <laughs> We're, we're, I'm like I said, dude, there was a lot here that I really liked. The only thing that really got me was that I don't believe that they, that the alien federation would mess with humans that much. Yeah. And, and up until this point, dude, I don't really find it that problematic because it's yeah. like, okay, you got a guy who said he took a picture with his telescope. And then you got another guy who said he has some remote viewers who said it's aliens. Like, okay, whatever. That's kind of fun. We'll get into the bigger issues with this story right. next week. But you're right. Like, it is it is a fun story that he laid out to begin with. Yeah. Like you said, dude, he's got the lore down. He's got so, the lore down. 
on a scale of one to five uh hail bop comets chris what what are you giving uh the, the story so far so far i'm giving it four i'm gonna give it four hail bop comets i'm very intrigued i want to know more you've you've foreshadowed a little bit what happens yeah so but but my immediate response to not knowing anything is that it's an enjoyable story. He had some pretty good stuff. The lore makes sense to me so far. I didn't particularly love the aspect about um, that they're sending signals to us, but maybe we're going to get a little bit more information about that. I'm very excited to hear more. All right. Well, we'll be jumping into more with the November 28th, 1996 episode next week. I'm going to refrain from rating because I know too much about what's about to happen. You know too much. Your rating, your rating is tainted and I don't want to give too much away to the, to the, the listener yet. That's what I was thinking. So I'd rather have your feelings as this develops because I think that is more fun. Uh, Well, this has been coast to coast PM. We will be back more next week with the hail bop comet saga uh thank you for listening all conspiracy all the time later